Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. For the beginning of this winter series of the Puberty Prof Podcast, I thought it best to review some recommendations for parents and caregivers regarding how you can start talking with your children about puberty and other age-appropriate sex ed topics. To help me out, I invited Rowena Thomas, the person behind Amazing Me which provides sexual health education for families and schools. So thank you so much for being here, Rowena. Would you mind saying hi to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Laurie. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I do run Amazing Me and I'm from Australia, from Sydney, Australia, and I've been running programs in schools for over 30 years for parents uh, just parents, educators, and kids about sex and reproduction, puberty, periods, pornography, body safety, and consent, and more. <laughs> um, currently, I'm in about 150 schools all around Australia. I'm 56, and I've been married for over 33 years to a school principal, an amazing human. Yep. And um, I'm a primary school teacher myself. So, a number of years ago, I was teaching part-time, so primary as in elementary. So I was doing that part-time and I was doing Amazing Me as my side hustle. But now I'm doing Amazing Me full-time because I couldn't possibly do both of them. So I'm full-time, over full-time, and I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. And I actually started Amazing Me many, many, many years ago because as a school teacher, my kids, and it often starts with your kids, they weren't getting any sex, sexual health education at all at school. So I wanted to empower them and I loved reading. I've been collecting books for years and years. And so I wanted to normalise conversations basically in my household, which I was already doing, and I wanted to empower teachers as a teacher and an educator to provide that sort of education, which is missing. Thank you for taking time from your visiting with your, your daughter to share your information, your expertise with us today, Rowena. And I find it so fantastic that you, because of your experience of working with primary school age children, you understand what potentially they might ask what they're curious about, and also what is appropriate to provide for them for that age. Yes, definitely. I, I Every day I have a question box, and if you follow me on Instagram, it's one of my most favourite parts of my day where um, the kids ask me questions. And I think curiosity is a wonderful thing. That's how we all learn about the world and the curiosity around our bodies and puberty and sex education. And if 
all sexual health topics is really, really important. It's the way that they learn and their, their questions come from a place of curious wonder about their bodies and that's why we can just, you know, when they ask, it's really important that we answer them in an accurate and honest and open way so that they feel free to ask us about anything. I think it's really important that as parents and educators, that's where we come from too, even though it's not an easy topic to talk about. It's really tough. <laughs> it's tough for me. So, and I talk about it like I talk about what I had for breakfast. So the whole fact that you have a question box, that's something that we use throughout the world. For those of you that are listening, we have it as an anonymous question box. Yet sometimes children will randomly ask a question, they'll raise their hand. So there's no shame in asking questions. It doesn't mean they're doing anything. It means they're curious. In which the book that I had written and it was revised within the past year and a half. It's called The Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, Insights from a Nationally Recognized Health Educator. And those questions that are in the book, most of them are from students that I've taught in the past. Wow. There's almost 500 questions in there with age and developmentally appropriate answers. So I really appreciate the things that you're doing over in Australia. And I'm sure you'll be able to also share like later on in our talk about certain tools you can even, people from other places of the world can even utilize. Yes. And there is so much information out there. There's so, you know, even if you can't afford to buy a book, but, you know, there's enough information online to get educated yourself in order to be able to empower your, your kids. Yeah. It, all, it all starts with education. That's how we that's how we make wise choices and healthy choices when we ourselves find out about things. And even if we don't agree with them, it's important to know different aspects of the whole thing and not be scared about finding out about information. Well, what are some of the tips that you can give to parents and other caregivers about talking about puberty? Sure. Okay. And all other sexual health topics as well. We'll start off by talking about everything. I think it's a great place to start. Well, as I said before, it is tough. It's not easy. So I think that it's important for you to recognise that as a parent. And research actually tells us that you are your biggest, your child's biggest sex educator. So even if you don't feel equipped, I think it's important to believe in yourself. That's where you can start. Even if you don't know the answers, even if you don't know where to start or the right information, it doesn't matter how little or how much that you know, you can do it. Because I think often parents think that they can't. I, and I think that your child needs to know that you're always there for them and that you don't shut down conversations uh, sometimes when they're going through puberty, of course, they it feels like there's an alien living in the house that they're not listening to you, but they are. Even if they, mm -hmm. even if they're on their phone all the time, they want you to be there, even if it feels like it, they're not. And I think that the aim is not to shame, and that's one of my biggest mantras in everything that I say and that I do, because. The minute you start shaming your kids or making them feel guilty, then they're not going to want to talk about this stuff 
with you. And I know it's really difficult because I'm not a calm person. I feel I'm a bit of an oversharer. I need to, I need to often tell them my opinion, but they're not necessarily going to agree with you, but they are listening, even if you think that they're not. So I think that being angry sometimes is, for me, I was angry with my kids, but try and stay calm even if you don't feel calm. That's another one. And I think that education, as I said before, empowers. Mm. And so I think that innocence is not ignorance. For example, my kids, they actually believed in Santa and they, they knew about sex. They knew about sex from a really young age because I normalised conversations with them about that. Uh, but they believed in Santa until they were much older and they were still innocent. So I think that often we think, particularly when it comes to sex, that we're destroying their innocence, but we're actually not. We're empowering them to be more innocent. And I think also that our kids are growing up in a time that's really different to the time that we grew up in. So I think we need to change the way that we communicate with them. And I think a lot of parents are, but because we didn't grow up in our media-saturated, over-sexualized society, sometimes I think parents think, well, it was good enough for me, so it's good enough for them, but it's not. So we actually have to change the way that we communicate and we have to start talking with them at a much younger age than we did. Well, for starters, we're going through puberty a lot earlier than we did in the 1960s. <laughs> well, some parents aren't that old, but I am, so <laughs> But um, it's not just that. It's the fact that the media is telling our kids things and we, you know, who is going to talk to our kids about because sex education and puberty education and all those different topics that come underneath the sexual health education banner don't just involve facts. They also involve our values and our opinions. And some of us have beliefs and faith. And who's going to talk to our kids about that if we don't talk with them and if we don't model that to our kids? Because it's not just a case of talking. It's also a case of the way that we act. I find it interesting, Ro, that you are raising some of the barriers that often stop us from talking with children, which includes that we weren't necessarily told a lot of information when we went through puberty and we survived it. So we're expecting the same for the younger generations. Yet, as you raised, there's so much exposure to sexuality and a lot of the messages are not necessarily healthy. So we do need to interject. And we see it in study after study, the number one resource kids do want to turn to are their parents and other caregivers. That's who they want to go to. That's why this podcast exists. It's to provide tools and to increase that self-efficacy, that feeling that, yes, I can do this. And it might be awkward. I might not know something and that's okay. It's totally okay. If I can return to one thing, because I find this really fascinating because you brought it up, that there are some caregivers that are afraid they're going to remove a child's innocence by answering questions or telling them information like how a baby is created, because that's basic science. That's Mm. yeah. This is what happens if you live on a farm, if you have 
some kind of pet, you might actually see activity and it's a natural thing. So how do you handle when there is a caregiver who's like, wait a minute, it will remove the innocence of my child. What do you say to them? Well, I think that often we think sexual health education is about sexual intercourse. And so if we think about what we think sexual health education is, it's so much more than that, then that changes the way we talk about it. So it's not just about heterosexual sex anyway. It's about so much more than that. And you don't start off by talking about that. I think a great place to start that, of course, you know, there's a lot of education now around the fact that you start with body parts, public and private parts, with consent. But also I think you can start off by talking about puberty. So when, you, when you're using deodorant or when you're in the shower and your kid walks in and goes to the, the loo, or we, we call the loo the toilet. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I love that. And they, and, they, and they notice that you've got hair or they notice that you've got breasts and they, or they notice that you've got a big penis or, you know, anything about, you know, you being an adult and they comment about that. That's a way to start a conversation about puberty and that's a self that's a sexual health topics and that's something that's just there and you know when they're very very young they're going to comment about your body because it, it's fascinating to them why have they got a um you know why haven't they got any hair and you have or why have you got boobs or a big penis or why is one testicle lower than the other you know all those sorts of things are really important yes. so if you Say one day when you grow up, you're going to grow and change, and that's called puberty. That's a great that's self, that's sexual health education. So parents are fearful that their kids are going to go out and try it. And as we know, as in terms of sex, um, as in terms of having sexual intercourse, but in actual fact, research tells us the opposite. Yep. The more empowered they are the more educated they are, the wiser choices that they'll make in the future. So when we're talking about sex, we're not talking about that. We're talking about choices. We're talking about healthy relationships. We're talking about making being consensual in just our normal everyday conversations and we're just talking about science and the facts. Yes. So start with that if you're scared or nervous or fearful about other things. Start by telling them how when you went through puberty, that was where I started. I, I started going through puberty when I was eight, and I didn't say this at the beginning, but this is one of the reasons why I do what I do today as well, and that I, I had no idea many, many years ago when I went through puberty. I got my, in year three, I started going through puberty, and year four, I got my period, and I had no idea what was happening to my body, and I didn't want my girls to be like that. I didn't want them to have the same experience because I was ashamed. I didn't tell anybody and I stole pads from my mum's cupboard mm. because I had no idea what was happening to my body. So that's really sad. And I tell, I always tell that story, you know, because it's so important that you actually tell stories 
about when you were growing up yeah. and what happened to you. And it's a great place to start when it comes to talking about anything. Yeah. And I've heard so many young people who started getting a period, a menstrual cycle, if they weren't told about it, they're fearful that something's wrong, that they're dying. So yes. let's empower these people to yes. understand this is a natural process. And then on the flip side, young people have shared with me that they think they're wetting their beds at night and oh, they're right. having nocturnal emissions. And it's like, no, this is this is a healthy part of you growing up because your body is practicing making sperm and releasing it. So it's a natural thing. And if you wake up and your underwear and your pajamas or whatever you're wearing is wet or your, your sheets, this is a great time to be responsible and help around the house, remove your sheets, remove your clothing, put on something cleaner and it's okay. It's natural. Yes. So if we start often, you know, there's a big push at the moment to start puberty education earlier in particular, because, and in Australia, the curriculum has changed to year four, which is, I think, in America, it's about eight, um, eight or nine years of age. And that's fantastic because there's lots of yes. uh, girls in particular that I meet that do have their, you know, are going through puberty at that age. But when I do puberty education, I often do it to year five and year six, so 11 and 12-year-olds. I don't think it's ever too late to start conversations, but I do think earlier on it is so much easier. Yeah, They are just like sponges. They're not embarrassed. They want to yes. learn. And this is another thing too. Kids want to learn. Yes, like, they do. Like it is embarrassing. It is a little bit private, but they still want to learn about it. And I think if we as parents and educators think about how kids are feeling, and don't over-sexualise things ourselves and don't put our shame and fear and embarrassment onto them, they won't feel the same way. They'll feel really different and that won't make them go out and do it. That will actually help them to make wise choices. So no matter, I have this really big thing, no matter what you believe, whether you're really conservative or not conservative or in the middle, because we've all got different beliefs and values. We can all respect each other, but we can all talk about it with our kids and empower them. What recommendations do you have for parents and other caregivers? I think often the first conversation is often the hardest, not always, but sometimes. I think you need to be brave. If you find it really difficult, I think it's better to say something than say nothing at all. You're not protecting your child by saying nothing. You're actually doing the opposite. I think that we can't assume things now. We can't assume that our kids aren't learning about this stuff because they are. They're learning about it even if you think that they're not interested or even if you think that they don't ask you any questions. It doesn't mean that they don't want you to talk to them. It doesn't mean that they don't need to learn about it because they do. All our kids are different. I've got three very different kids and they all learn in different ways, but they still need to talk about it. I think we need to respect our kids. They need space. They need privacy. And I found that really difficult when my kids were growing up because I don't think that I, I gave them enough space and enough privacy. 
you can't, each stage is different and so we need to, we can't just assume that this is how they feel because they are different. We need to never comment about their bodies. I think that's really important and when someone else does, stick up for them and be really proactive and that I remember my my daughters when they first had breasts you know or they put on weight or they started getting curvy I noticed all oh, some of my neighbors and some of my family members would comment about their bodies and I'd, you know it's really important that we call them out on that whether it's privately as parents as I always say it's tough so we need to get support we need to listen to podcasts like yours we need to chat with our friends and know that it's not that we don't get a manual for this as parents and so just like when they grow and develop when they're children we need help for that we need to help we need to get help for puberty as well a really good laugh is really important sometimes because Sometimes it's really funny, not laughing at your kids, of course, but laughing with them. Do you have other suggestions for how a caregiver can start a conversation with a child? Yeah, I sure do. I think the first thing that you can have as a parent is a go-to question conversation starter that is something that doesn't shut down conversations, but that it opens up conversations. And that might be Can I tell you a story about when I went through puberty, please? Or if they ask you a question, that's a great question. I don't actually know the answer to that, but can I find out and get back to you and make make sure that you actually do? I think, though, that conversations now are really easy. Uh, And that might sound like, no, it's not. (laughs) They're not easy. But I mean as in there are so many places, especially in the media, that gives us opportunities to start conversations, whether that's a period undie ad, period underwear. In Australia, we've got them on buses, we've got them on TV at the moment. They're everywhere. So we can start conversations by saying, do you know what period undies are? And it doesn't matter what gender your child is. You need that. Everyone needs to know about periods. Uh, We've got IVF ads on buses, on the side of buses. You know, when when you're in the shops talking about deodorant, let's go to the deodorant aisle or the the period pads and tampon aisle or period undie aisle. Can you tell me, you know, if we're in the car, can you tell me what that music is? Like instead of saying, oh, let's turn off the let's turn off the music. I mean, of course, this needs to be age appropriate. So it depends on how old your child is. But often uh, in Australia anyway, often they have radio shows and radio hosts. They're often talking about sex. So we can start talking about what they're talking about. Do you know what they're talking about? Or a song that might come on that talks that's, no, you know, overtly sexual. Do you know what the words are? to that song. I have to ask, in Australia, menstrual underwear is commonly used? Ah, uh, I think it's getting there. Okay. I think it's getting there and there are a lot of ads on telly, on TV and 
just everywhere advertising them. And now if you go into like Target, you have Target, Mm -hmm. uh, Big W in Australia, Kmart. Kmart's like our equivalent of Target, although we do have Target. And they have them everywhere. Like in our local shopping grocery stores, we have period undies, but also online. Lots of different companies now. So I think it's becoming more common. I talk about it all the time. I talk about menstrual cups too, and that's another thing. You know, just because you talk about menstrual cups doesn't mean your 10-year-old's going to use menstrual cups. You know, like I think, you know. It's an option. They're being told it's an option. And it's you're educating them to know that later on this is a great option to use. It doesn't mean they're going to use it straight away, but I talk about every option so that can empower them to just know what it is. I find it interesting because in the States, a lot of young people know about the menstrual cups. They know about menstrual pads, tampons, menstrual cups, the menstrual underwear. There's some hesitancy of, you know, how helpful they are. I've never used them myself. And some of my college folks Nobody has ever said they've used them. So, and I don't go into a lot of stores to see how they're advertised. But when I, when I go into a shop, I don't see that those as products. I see more menstrual cups than the menstrual underwear. So that's why I asked about the advertisements, even around town here, I don't see a lot of advertisements for the menstrual underwear. So it's different depending upon where you live. Oh, absolutely. But it doesn't mean we can't talk about it. Yes. And I think Correct. it's a great op- option in countries where there acts that have pads and tampons. I run, um, my husband and I go to India twice a year and we run charity and we take, or we did before COVID, uh, we'll go there twice a year, but um, we, we take over recyclable period products in little packs and, you know, it's a great option for, you know, just to help the environment. Yeah. For starters, I mean, you can start your conversation from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the more that our kids are talking about those things as an option, the more that they won't think it's gross yes. and that they will have a go and have a try of them. And they're fantastic. Yes. And I know that some people in the world, they can't even go to the schools if they have the menstrual cycle. So having yes. that menstrual cup is, it helps them be successful at school yes, I mean, so, right. so they can go. And in other countries, we don't take menstrual cups because their access to water is in the slums is, you know, it's not very hygienic, but using these recyclable pads are a great option for them. And so yes. I think often the way that we normalise conversations is by talking about things and making them shame-free, whether that's talking about, your period, if you have a period, and not shaming it, or you know, when they see your products in your in a drawer in your bathroom, saying, "Do you know what a tampon was?" I didn't know what a tampon was because I just I thought it was something you stuck up your nose when your nose bled, you know. But you can talk about that as a family, yes. you know. So I think that's really important that we normalize conversations about everything. Yes. Uh, And then your kids will ask you questions if you do. My next question for you is, what recommendations do you have for children regarding going through puberty? I think I would say 
to a child when you're going through puberty, know that it's really normal, that you are not weird, that whenever it happens and whatever happens, that puberty is your body saying that it's healthy. It's a healthy sign. So if you look at you yourself and think, this is gross, this is disgusting, this shouldn't be happening, why is this happening, which are feelings that are normal feelings, I'm not saying that they're not, but you thinking to yourself that, wow, my body's changing, this is normal, regardless if it's I feel awkward, then that can change the way that you actually accept the changes. And I think having a mentor, someone that you know that you can go to, to talk about this stuff is really important and not just one. And I think in COVID, our mentors, and I have a safe, I have this thing called a safety network, which a lot of sex educators talk about, or a safety team or a safety circle, people that you, adults that you trust, not just your friends that you can go to, to talk about these things. Sometimes you might feel like you can't always talk to your parents. So is it an auntie or an uncle or a neighbour, someone at your synagogue or church, or is it someone, a family friend or a grandparent? Mentors are so important. And maybe as parents we can prep our neighbours. We particularly notice that our kids are drawn to certain teachers. Talk to those teachers and say to them, you know, do you mind if my daughter or my, my mind if my child comes and talks to you about these things because they're going through puberty? So create a community for your child. Accepting is difficult. Often it's really difficult, particularly if you're going through puberty early or if you're going through puberty later. You think that you're not normal when in actual fact you are. Yes. I think too I would say to a child, look for the signs in your body that show that you are going through puberty. So particularly breast buds and, you know, we know that testicle growth is one of the first signs, but, you know, you don't always notice that that's happening. So, you know, hair and weight and all of those things, if we talk about them, read books. And as you know, I love books. I've got over 250 of them on my bookshelf and I've got to get your book very soon and I will. (laughs) But um, books are a great place to start. Yes. You know, learning. So, you know, if you're feeling embarrassed as a child, you know, go to the library because I'm sure that there's books there too that you can learn about what's happening. The more that you know about puberty, the more that you can be more confident in the fact that your body is normal. Thank you for those recommendations in which I know in the States, we do talk about trusted people we can go to, trusted adults. And a reminder for people out there that if you're ever thinking someone's a trusted adult, but you're feeling awkward, like something isn't right, please go to another trusted adult. Because we know that sometimes there are people we hope to trust, but they're not always the most trustworthy for us. So please listen to your gut, your instinct. And like Rowena said, realize things are natural that are happening in your body for those physiological changes and go to a trusted person. Can I just say one thing about that too? And I think, sure. I think listening to your body is really important, just like you said. And it's not just a case of 
listening to warning signs when your body tells you something, although I'm really, that's really important, right? It's also in terms of puberty because often we miss what's going on, you know, as as parents and as kids. Uh, we, we miss the signs that puberty is actually happening until mm-hmm. way into puberty. So listen to your body. Your body will tell you when you're getting a period. Your body t- will tell you when your voice is going to break. Your well, not exactly the day or the time, but listening to your body and how you're feeling and taking time out. If you're feeling really irritable or you're feeling like you need privacy, listen to your body. Yeah. Mm, important. What other comments or thoughts do you have before we end today's episode, Rowena? Okay, as parents, as I've always said, it's not easy. So you need to look after yourself. You need to have endless patience. When my kids went through puberty, it wasn't easy. And sometimes I think we think that it's going to be different to the way that it is, but every child's journey is different in everything, so it will be in puberty. I think that if parents don't think that it's difficult, sometimes then that's actually not true because at different times it will be very difficult to have confidence in yourself. Know that you're not alone, so get help if you need it. Try and get on the same page as your partner in all of these conversations if you've got a partner because I think it's really important to work things out, talk about things, practice what you're going to say to your child, read books, get to know their media environment. I think often conversations around puberty don't just happen. Like you're not just going to sit down at the dinner table and talk about getting pubic hair. You know, that's awkward. So, you know, spending time with your kids, a lot of time, which is what we've had, hasn't it? Those conversations might come up, but also be brave and proactive in those conversations. Be private as well. Your kids don't want to talk about this stuff in the context of your whole family, most likely, because they are private and they're getting more private often. So maybe it's on the car on the way to sport when you're not actually looking at them face-to-face, going for a walk. And, you know, respect your kids. Be empathetic. Put yourself in their shoes. Talk about stories. Let them be emotional. It's really hard, but emotions, puberty, as we know, and we've talked about a lot of physical changes, but most of it is just physical. It's also emotional and social. And you might not agree with what's going on, but that's how they're feeling. And so it's important for us to make connections outside of the puberty experience. And it's not always easy because we want our kids to lead their best lives and be the best that they can be. Yeah. So how thinking about how they're going to get there is also really important. But we're not always going to agree with who they're hanging out with. And I'm not... And, I'm not saying, though, don't have boundaries. I think boundaries are really, really important. And I think a lot of parents don't have boundaries because they're scared. They think that they need to be friends with their kids. You are the parent. You have far more, an educator, you have far more influence on your child than you will ever know. And it's tough, but they need to have boundaries. And I think, you know, with all this access to technology, 
parental controls on all of your devices are more important than ever. They can get around those parental devices. They can access other kids' parental devices, sure, but they still do have an influence on what our children are looking at, and especially when they go through puberty and comparing themselves to other people is just, you know, it's, it's what we all do, isn't it? But it has such a big impact on them. So I think not talking about, you know, how big they are or constantly talking about pimples and things like that are really important. And it's not just with most girls, it's also with most boys as well because body image is such a huge part of this conversation and that's another Mm -hmm. conversation, isn't it, Laurie? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like how you're bringing it back to our kids want to hear from us. They want us to be their resource and we want to be a reliable resource, which is great in which you can refer to the variety of tools that have been mentioned in this podcast, including amazing me, Rowena, (laughs) if people want to find out more about what you do for families, if they want to connect with you, how can they find you? Uh, well, you can reach out to me on Instagram if you want to at amazingme.education or I, if you're not on Instagram, you can email me through my website. And your website is amazingme.com.au that represents right. Australia. Excellent. Right. And I also have a blog that you can sign up to and I have some free downloads on my website. And I also, oh, I haven't mentioned this. I also have a puberty course. Yes. I don't know if you know that, but an online puberty course. And I actually have another, um, not puberty, but I have another course coming out soon about bodies and babies. So. Oh, excellent. Yes. So there we go. Yeah. In which for our listeners, I'm going to make sure I have a link for Amazing Me on this episode's description, because as you keep on hearing on this this episode, as well as on others of the Puberty Prof podcast, there's so many tools that are out there. So if you're interested in this online course that Rowena has, go check it out at amazingme.com.au. Also remember, I have that book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, as well as the Talk Puberty app, which people say are really, it's really helping them have conversations. It's not a gaming app. It's very simple in which you see a question plus an age-appropriate answer. It's to help start and continue conversations in a very age and developmentally appropriate manner. Rowena, thank you so much for being here today. Would you like to say a goodbye to our listeners? Yes, of course, I'd love to. Well, thank you so much, Laurie, for having me today. And thank you, everyone out there for listening and Uh, remember that you are your child's biggest sex educator. So be brave, be proactive. You've got this. Great. Thank you again. And thank you to all of our listeners. And may you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. 
There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.